Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Greetings, everyone. First, uh, today's meditation, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 28. Matthew 25, 14 to 28. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his way. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who, uh, one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. With them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another, uh, the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you interested me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with, few, with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received its, it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has uh, will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and garnishing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we close our eyes? Father God, we come before your presence today. We surrender everything we are. I surrender myself. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Convict us through your word that we may learn what your will is in your life, in our life. Help us to focus on you as we spend some time. Help us to set aside all distractions, Lord, and focus on your word and obey the word. Help us not to be the people that just hear, but the people who hear and obey. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
This is one of the parables of Jesus. I consider Jesus as one of the greatest storytellers. He had his way of, you know, getting across a point in a very irregular manner. And most of the time he used parables, uh, illustrations, and, you know, questions. Sometimes when you ask him a question, he answers with a question. And by chapter 25 of Matthew, he's almost done with his earthly ministry. Um, in next two, two to three chapters, uh, you will see that he will be, you know, taking up the cross, dying on the cross for the sins of the world, giving salvation free to anyone who believes. Um, and he's preparing his disciples and teaching them in parables. And this parable, if, if, if you read back, uh, there are couple, there's illustrations and parables right before this. And if you look at the underlying uh, theme, there is a commonality to it. Uh, so the previous ones, the right before one was the parable of ten virgins. Um, you know, uh, before that, the illustrations of two servants, uh, the parable of fig tree, and so on. So there's a couple of things. And before that, he talks about the second coming of Christ. <laughs> and... He, this is all leading to this parable in which he is talking about a master who is going away on a journey. And the Bible scholars believe uh, he was referring to himself as the master in this parable. So he has done his ministry. He is in this world. He's teaching his disciples and he's telling them, hey, the master, as a master, he's going away. And one day the master will return. And if you look at the underlying commonality in other parables, you will see waiting of the master or waiting of a bridegroom. Because the previous one, uh, it's referred as bridegroom, right? And the previous one, again, master. So you'll see all these parables saying, you know, there is a waiting in which the time is not defined. It doesn't say when the master was coming back in any of these parables, which represent the second coming of Christ, uh, for which we do not know what the time is. And this is a very interesting how he put this cross. So, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. He did not give away the wealth. Whatever he gave belongs to the master. He just gave them to look after it. And he did not give a direction of what he, they are supposed to do with it. He didn't get specifically, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. You know what? Try to buy Facebook and uh, Google stocks and throw in some Apple stocks in there because I know the future and it's going to grow, you know, big time. No, he did not give a direction. He just gave them the bag of gold. And he went away. 
And if you notice, all the three servants did not receive everything equally. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another three, and to another one. According to their ability. And the master goes away. There is no specific, very specific direction on how you're going to use this bag of gold. But the servant who got it and what he did with it, the first guy, right? He goes, The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. And he is doing it without knowing when the master was coming back. He could have come back in a week. He could have come back in a month or a year or 10 years. We do not know. It doesn't specify what time the master is coming back. But he's not looking into or worried about what time is the master coming back. His focus is what the master has entrusted him with. The master has entrusted him with his wealth. And his responsibility is to use that wealth that will please his master. And he put it to work. He invested it. And he gained five more bags. And the second guy who received two bags of gold, he did not complain, wait a second, master, I am just like the other, you know, servant. You know, why don't you give me five back? He did not complain. He took what was given to him. And he went and did what he was responsible for. What his master entrusted him with. So he... Um, also, the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off. He dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now you see the contrast here between this, the last servant versus the first two. The first two took the responsibility, did what the master expected him to do, it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the master. But they put in the work to please the master. But here is one who's like, eh, whatever. You know what? I just got one bag of gold. What am I going to do with it? You know what? He'll come back when I'll, get, I'll just give it back to him. Look at the attitude here. So after a long time, the master of those servants returned. And settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you interested me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. 
And the best part is the master's response. This is, it's, it's mind-blowing. He says, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. When our time is over on earth and we go stand in front of the throne of judgment and when we settle our accounts with the one true creator who entrusted us with our time on earth with talents and resources at that time when he, is he going to say you have been faithful with a few things. Will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? It's, it's time to think into our life and see, are we being a good servant? And when we try to, when we are in the presence of God to settle our accounts, what is the valuation we are going to get? So the first servant came. He gained five more bags of gold. And the master was pleased. And when we compare, we compare the five bags and three bags and one bag. We compare and say he got the most. Yes, he did get the most. But in the sight of God, maybe that's not the most. He was faithful in the little. How many times have we complained for not using our talents or resources or time or whatever, saying we don't have enough? When we are called to serve God, I have repeatedly heard this one thing. Oh, I don't have any talents. Are you one of those people who have said that in your life? Oh, God hasn't given me a talent. It doesn't, see, standing up on the stage and preaching is not just the talent. That doesn't define as a talent. Everything that you could do for the glory of God is a talent. How many of you know uh, Nick Voyage? A man without hand and lugs. He has no two hands and no two legs. And he is one of the most impactful uh, person, Christian, I have known. He barely has a feet. And his life is all about glorifying God. If I could name a person who could have the most excuse of not serving God, it's him. We all have two hands and two legs. What is our excuse? When we look at the kingdom of God, 
the problem is we, we try to give more credit to certain type aspect of ministry and we do overlook the other aspect. Preaching and singing is the most, most, you know, giving importance like, oh, this is the most important talent and that is what, you know, and we want our kids to do that. Nobody thinks about what goes in behind the scenes. For a very long time, I was that behind the scenes guy. I had a friend, uh, Brother Sabu, and one of the most talented kid I've known. He's one year younger to me. At the age of 23, he had a bachelor's in public administration, bachelor's in uh, uh, English literature, bachelor's in um, uh, psychology, and a bachelor in divinity, and a master's in psychology. He could preach in four languages. He could translate between four languages. He could sing. He could play drums. I barely have one person half his talent. His, in his Bible school, uh, when he was graduating, you know, they would give prizes to the best in certain areas. And after a few minutes, I said, just stand on the stage and take everything and come down instead of going back and forth, back and forth. Because every, almost every single trophy he won. He was the best in his Greek and Hebrew. He's the, one of the most talented kid that I know. And understand, he is like one year younger to me in his 20s. And he would preach, you know, on stages that is like thousand people stages. But my job was the guy in the background who made sure that that event runs smoothly, that the sound system is in place, that the chair chair is in its place. So the question to you is, you know, the thought is sometimes the people so talented to use their talents require so many of those other people that works behind the stage. Not everybody is called to do everything. Not everybody is called to do the same thing. You know, Apostle very much clarifies then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you read from verse 12 to 26, he paints a very beautiful picture of how the body of Christ is. For, as, for just as the body is one and has many members and all members of the body through many are one body, so it, it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If a foot should say, because I am not hand, I do not belong to body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? 
But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those part of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest, greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable part do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Apostle clearly mentions this of how the body of Christ should function. And I'm tying it back to the responsibility that is entrusted in us. God has given us the time resources, and talents. And it belongs to the God. And one day he will come to settle that accounts. The question is, when he's there to settle the accounts, will the verdict be, oh, you were faithful? I sometimes wonder, why do we struggle to find volunteers in church? Why do we so, why is Jeff every Sunday come on encouraging people? Oh, we need to step up and serve. We need to step up and serve. Don't you know that we are the body of Christ? Don't you know it's our responsibility? Imagine my body, my hand decides tomorrow, you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm cool, I'm cool. I'm just gonna sit here. And let the rest of my body work. It doesn't work that way. The body to function properly, I want every part of my body to work in unity. Not work the way, you know, individually, it has to be in unity. And the unity is bought by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the life. That is one common thing in all of you that are saved. But we are very different. We are different in our knowledge. We are different in our upbringing. We are very different in what God has given you in our talents. Talking about the talents, the friend I was talking about earlier, we, 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 we loved going to this orphanage and every Christmas and uh, we would... Because in India, um, sometimes some areas it's not easy or I would say dangerous to go share gospel. So we use, make use of Christmas time because Christmas time is a Christian you know, uh, festival. So it's little less opposition, uh, though the police usually give a little hard time in getting permits and stuff. But what we used to do is we go out, we share the tracks, give out Bibles, we sing Christmas carols. So one of the things we used to do is, you know, go to this uh, orphanage and spend time with the kids there and sharing the hope of Christ with them. 
And these are the kids, most of them are HIV positive uh, because they are children of prostitutes uh, who don't even know who their father is. And uh, we used to share the love of Christ with them. And this friend I was talking about, he would up there sing songs and, you know, work with the kids and encourage them and, you know, preach and everything. And one day this one kid starts crying in the middle. And he's like, Jobin, that's your department. And I would go pick that kid up. I would sit with him and I would talk to him. I'm not up on the stage, but God, the talent that was given to me was go have that conversation with that kid. Nobody is watching. Nobody knows about this. The point I'm trying to make is if you think the here clearly says it's not about stop saying I don't have a talent. God has given everybody at least one bag of gold. The question is, what are you going to do with it? God has given everybody. If you look at the most remarkable people in the history who have served God, none of them had everything handed over to them. They stood cut out in faith and they answered the calling they had on their life. And God provided and used them. They were faithful in the little they received. There's examples after examples. The problem is we undermine what we have. And we go into this rut of living our life. It's time that we understand we are the body of Christ. And the moment we are not taking our burden, we are not putting our share of work, it is bringing strain to the rest of the body of Christ. I'm saying this from my experience. Last VBS in this church, we were all very happy how great the decorations is, how great the thing is. But behind the scenes, the people who were putting in the work were very few. And I accidentally walked in that day for something and I'm like, wait a second, where is everybody else? That was my first question. I was under the impression they don't, there's like so many people here Everybody is doing it. I put everything aside and started helping people. And then I learned something that was not so shocking as they're like, this is every year. The every year, these are the few people who does this whole work for the whole one week to make this happen. My question is, where is the rest of the body? If my two hands and one leg decide not to put in the work and I have to do everything with my one leg, just picture that. And that is what sometimes that if the church is, if you're not using the talent given to you, that is how the church feels as a body of Christ. There is people who is working behind the scenes to make things happen for the glory of God. 
Nobody notices that the seat in front of you, when pastor says there is an envelope, there is a connect card, and there is a pen in front of it, how is that every Sunday that is fully stocked? Because there is somebody who comes on a Saturday, makes sure that before the service, it's fully stocked. The tissue is in its place. The Bible is in its place. Do you know who that person is? You don't answer. Does anybody know who that person is in this church? One person knows. Out of everybody in this church, one person knows who that person is. So the question is, if you are the body of Christ and you claim yourself as a body of Christ, what are you doing? When God gave you talents, don't go dig up a hole and bury it. That only signifies one thing. You wicked, lazy servant. Jesus died on the cross. This was before, the, before he died on the cross. He gave this parable for the days to come, the ages to come, the next generations to come, and teaching them one thing, that I am going away, and I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you the salvation. I'm giving you my life. I'm entrusting you with everything that I'm giving you. The ability for you to walk on your two feet and work with your two hands. The ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to speak, the ability to think. And entrusted you. One day he's going to come back in all his glory. And then one day you will stand in the presence of God and you have to settle that account. The question is, are you that faithful servant? He didn't say, you know, the leaders or, you know, uh, a mega church pastor or the coolest guitarist or... No. The word used is servant. Are you going to be the faithful servant? Tell me a time. Tell me the last time when God was unfaithful to you. If God was faithful to you from the time you were born till today, what is your excuse of not being faithful to him who have given you everything? And it's time that we stop complaining about, I do not have a talent. This sheet. I can't believe that he ended up printing both sides of it. Repeatedly, the body of Christ needs people. My question is, where is all those people? What is your excuse? That you're not good enough for kids' ministry? Are you not good enough for doing whatever you're called to do? 
what qualification do you need to be a nursery assistant? And we need two of them. What qualification do you need to be an elementary assistant, a pre-K assistant? All you need to do is pour out your love to those young kids. Just give them a smile. I want to give you an example. I, I don't have time today. Otherwise, I wanted to give you example after example. When I first moved to West Milford, I was used to drive by and I looked at this church. And this is one of those old school church with, you know, I had a notion about what this church is going to be. I was reluctant to step into this church. But the first time I took a step of faith and walked into this church, this one person that I spoke with for two minutes changed my perspective of what I created in my mind. The first person I talked to in this church was Heather. And when she came and spoke to me, I felt welcomed. I did not feel out of place. We've been looking for greeter, greeters. What are you supposed to do as a greeting person? All you have to do is smile with your whole heart. See the people and invite them over. You, have, you don't have to preach. You don't have to go into theology. You don't have to do anything extra. But the problem in today's serving is we serve because we have nothing better to do. Don't do that. Serve because you want to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If tomorrow the President of the United States call you up for serve the country, do you take it as an honor? Or you'll be like, eh, whatever. Is that your attitude? Or you'll be like, President of the United States invited me to serve the country. Look at the pride and honor. Imagine this is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the only God, the creator of the universe is calling you. And he did not just call to you. He have given you first. He's asking you to be faithful in your calling. I know a lot of people who were faithful in their calling. And they stepped out in faith. And God used them for your, their glory. So this is the time that we look into ourselves and ask this question. As the body of Christ... I might be that faithful servant. Because I think if you understand, see, if you go to the, the, the last servant, right? This is what he says. Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid the gold on the ground. And here, it is, it is what belongs to you. If that servant knew who his master was, what do you think would have been the outcome? He would have been faithful. The problem is, I think people are not stepping up and to serve is because they still don't understand who they are serving. If you knew, if you had one ounce of understanding of who you are serving, you would serve all out. We wouldn't be printing this. 
we would be surplus. Every time uh, pastor exhausts, the most sign up we get is the baking ministry. There's nothing wrong with that. We love it. But the question you need to ask is, is it because out of passion to love God that you signed up for baking ministry? Or is it the easiest one that if you can't bake, you can just go to ShopRite and pick up a pack of something? It all comes down to what your motive is. What is in your heart? I think it's, it's time that as a church, we need to take a very deeper... Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Greetings, everyone. For uh, today's meditation, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 28. Matthew 25, 14 to 28. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his way. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who, uh, one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. With them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another, uh, the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you interested me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with, few, with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has uh, will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and uh, garnishing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. 